After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America podcast. J.J. Cooper, John Manuel's back. Hey, everybody, John's (laughs) back. And Vince, Laura are all here today, and we're going to talk the A's top 10 because uh, we're finishing up the uh, the American League West. We're rolling along. I think we knocked out the whole American League West. No, I'll take that back. We're going to have a, try to do a, we're going to either do a special Saturday podcast or next Monday mm. will be the Astros. We haven't finished the Astros yet. Okay. But that will wrap it up, and then we'll move right on to the National League uh, uh, East. So we're rolling along. We're almost done online at BaseballAmerica.com. Yeah. The top 10s will right. finish next week, right, Vince? Yeah, two more to go. We got the uh, pods on Monday, a special MLK edition, uh, and then uh, Wednesday will be JJ and the Giants. I think we're we're moving the Padres up a little bit just to salve the wound of Chargers fans, of the San Diego (laughs) sports fan. It is amazing how the city of San Diego once had three sports teams, and now the one that's left is the Padres. It's, it's, uh, I guess that's the one that got the stadium, and that's the one that's still around, and and that kind of goes Vince to the Athletics. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, baseball's most itinerant franchise, the only one that's moved twice that I can think of, uh, is the A's, right? Uh, Boston, Braves. They only moved once. Boston, Braves, Milwaukee, Braves. Atlanta oh, yeah, Braves. they did move three times. What am I thinking? Yeah, that's three. Yep. That's three cities. Yep. Just like Oakland. Um, I mean, like, I guess, you know, that's kind of where you kind of have to start, Vince, is that uh, the the A's and the Braves are the – not only do they rhyme, but they also have – uh, almost literally crappy stadium situations. Literally, literally so in the Oakland's so case. In the, in the case. Um, <laughs> with, the, with their sewage issues. But, um, yep. you know, I guess it feels like Oakland's organization is, uh, you know, there, there's strengths and weaknesses to every organization, but ultimately this this organization seems like the their stadium situation and trying to get a new park and the resulting lack of... Um, I thought they just don't have a steady revenue stream. And now in the latest CBA, they're losing some of the revenue sharing money they were getting. It feels like until the stadium situation is settled, it's really hard for the A's to make a long-term plan, isn't it? I mean, even they have a new president, but it just feels like this is always a franchise that is that has to be able to turn on a dime because they just don't know where the next paycheck's coming from, it almost feels like. That, that's kind of how they operate. Am I wrong? No, you're right. And I, I think that, you know, the, the good thing about that, though, is they, they've shown the ability to turn on a dime, right? So last year, they, they, they really maximized on Rich Hill and Josh Reddick by, by trading those guys for, you know, three pitchers who, who are now ranked in the middle of their top 10. Um, so I, I think you're absolutely right in saying that. And I, but I think that the people who are in place can turn on a dime pretty well, we've seen. Uh, so, uh, I guess they have the right team in place, or it's, those guys have been in place long enough to, to recognize that they have to be able to pivot when they do. And the thing is, I think they're almost hypersensitive to that because they pivoted too soon mm-hmm. two years ago when they traded Josh Donaldson. I mean, I, 
That is ultimately right. a deal that's just... They pivoted one way too far, which is, is they right. went for it understandably, but Addison Russell yep. for Jeff Samarja is, and Jason Hamill is one of those that's going to burn for years and years to come. And then the next oh, year yeah. they flip, you know, and then after that they flipped the other way too quickly, which was not just Josh Donaldson, but like, uh, what was the Joey Wendell trade? It was Joey Wendell. Didn't they also trade Yasmani Grandal? They have Yasmani Grandal, or I'm thinking, I get him confused yeah. so often with, uh, no, that was Yonder Alonso. I get, thinking. yeah, but like trading for Yonder Alonso. When they've made these right. deals, they haven't necessarily gotten a ton back. Although for Josh Donaldson, right. they did get their number one prospect in Franklin Barreto. I guess ultimately, Vince, the real question on Franklin Barreto is it seems like people are quite consistent in their evaluations of the fact that he will hit and that he will be a good mm-hmm. hitter. Ultimately, gut feel after talking to people in the organization, where do you think he's going to wind up playing? Yeah, it's either going to be third base or left field, I think. And the thing about that is they, it's one of the positions that they – well, I shouldn't say it's one of the positions, but corner, infield, and outfield is kind of a place that they've got surplus now, right, with – uh, Ryan, uh, uh, yeah, Ryan, Ryan O'Neill, Ryan, yeah, Ryan, O'Neal, Ryan O'Neal, which dates me a lot, but <laughs> that's Ryan funny. Only you, Ronaldo. you're the only one in the BA yeah. office who would make a Ryan O'Neill reference <laughs> as well. Hashtag old guy joke of the day. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and, you know, they've got Renato Nunez and they have Matt Olson and, and Matt Chapman, of course, is the, is the top guy that I should have mentioned. So, you know, it's a it's a good problem to have in a way, but a lot of none of these guys are are slam dunks by any means. Uh, even Chapman, who's a you know uh, a good defender, I don't know how much he'll hit. He'll hit for power for sure. But uh, Barreto was the original question, and um, yeah, he's a third baseman. He doesn't profile there very well. Uh, he's a left fielder whose body is quickly thickening, and so you're not sure how how well he'll move out there, and he again won't profile that well. Um, he'll hit, but just not sure where he fits. What, what about second base? Because that kind of the five nine kind of you know makes him kind of when you think of you know that kind of second. I've heard you know second base and center field also in the past. Mm-hmm. The thickening mm-hmm. kind of precludes center field probably in the long term. Sounds like we're talking about a movie right. like Frank on Barreto, the thickening. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I'm with you though, JJ. Second base seems like I mean I guess. To, did, so, did, did, did the A's officials not think he could handle second base, or do you think they just have enough other guys who are better options at second base? Yeah, it's a little bit of both, I think. I think they, they think he can handle it if he needs to, but they also, as you mentioned, have some options. Uh, guys like Joey Wendell, who's a favorite of Bob Melvin, and then there's Max Schrock, who's a, a hitter first. He's a favorite of, first of John and JJ. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Schrock fan. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing, too, is they have Marcus Simeon, who had a bunch of home runs last year, who's currently their shortstop, who might move over when, you know, when, when maybe Richie Martin is ready yeah. or, uh, you know, something like that. If the, Richie Martin ever hits enough. I think the weird thing for Barreto, and I think this will be reflected, like, in the industry, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, this is kind of top 100 season, and Baseball America's working on our top 100 list. Uh Working out those negotiations right now with MLB Network, as a matter of fact. We'll do the Top 50 show again, which is exciting. Um, and for me, Franklin Barreto is a Top 50 prospect because I think he is a second baseman, ultimately, and I think he's going to hit. He's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. His track record for hitting goes back to like when he was 15. I do think there's going to be pop there. Um, I'm okay with the thicketing as a fellow thick guy. I mean, I think he'll handle his thickness better than me. There are a lot of thick second basemen. Yeah, I, I think he's, I think he's yeah. going to be an offensive second baseman myself. Um, I do mm-hmm. think the fact that he didn't play great in the fall league 
is going to be reflected on a lot of other top hundreds. There are a lot of pretenders. There's only one real BA top hundred, but I think you're going to see that elsewhere. But for me, he's a top fifty guy. But JJ, I don't remember if he was in your top fifty in the handbook or not. Because again, not that he's not close to it, but it's just from the idea, um, from the idea that it's like okay, his bat is going to have to be really good. I mean, second base now, we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. I We still don't know if second base the last two years is a fluke or not. Right. Mm-hmm. The reality of it is is that second base nowadays is a more offensive position than left field. The which ex- is crazy. Which is crazy. But the expectations on it right. are much higher than they used to be. You can be a 270 hitter with 15 homers, and it's like, yeah, you're you're an average second baseman nowadays. Which right. Is, which is crazy. I think I think Beretta's a little bit better hitter than that, but you know, uh, mm-hmm. the, I think ultimately the power is kind of a question of just how much impact he's going to have. Um, let, let's stick with that kind of up the middle theme, Vince, because mm-hmm. it does seem like as you go through the top thirty, there's an awful lot of up the middle guys. And I will say, um, you know, it, as we debated the list, and obviously you and I debated this list a lot, and there's a lot of different ways you could rank these guys, and that's why we have the the BA grades because it does kind of help you give a, a good idea of ceiling versus certainty with a lot of these players. Yeah, we rank Chad Pinder fairly aggressively, really based more on certainty of role and that he's going to be a big leaguer of some kind. Um, I think Chad Pinder, Richie Martin, and Yairo Munoz, those are guys that feels like internally we were pretty split on. I, I, I assume that this is how you think the A's kind of line these guys up in terms of going Pinder, then Martin, and then Munoz. But there, right. or, or was there something that you liked better about Pinder to rank him at the top of those three guys, even though he ended up ranking him as the lowest ceiling of those three guys? Right. Yeah, no, I think it was um, what I heard from within the organization. I mean, they're very um, happy with Pinder's play in terms of his fundamental ability. Um, they like that he although doesn't have the highest ceiling of those guys, that he does the job that he's supposed to do. And I think the, the, and the opposite of that is, is Jairo Munoz, who um, several people in the organization felt was a little too flashy for his own good. I mean, there's clearly a high ceiling there with him, but I think one, one person I spoke to said there's a, it's a matter of trying to like beat out the flashiness, beat the flashiness out of him, if hmm. you will. Like, uh, at some point, he's going to have to learn not to make plays that difficult. He's you know, carried that you know for I mean, years. Right? Yeah. When I was yeah. doing Midwest League calls, I mean, like, basically, uh, I had, I think, a couple of opposing managers call it the Iro Munoz experience, which was, you know, <laughs> you knew when the Iro Munoz was on the field for good and bad. Right. That, that's And it's absolutely something that's carried with him. Um, that uh, it's a stubbornness, I think, and in in regard to making things more difficult than he needs to make them, and that, you know, hopefully he grows out of that. But at this point, it's that's not been the case. Yeah, I think the you and, know, and, one way you can help a player grow out of that is not promote him to Double A when he's not ready. And that's the that's the startling <laughs> thing about the A's yeah. with Yairo Munoz. Um, to me, is if you think you need to beat the flash out of him, then send him back to high A after one and a half decent months there. I mean, I, I don't get yeah. it. Why do you send a 21-year-old to double A when you're, I mean, like, you're going to move him around anyway, so it's not like Richie Martin should have been in his way. And honestly, <laughs> Richie Martin probably could have handled being in low A to start the year. So I, the, the, the mm-hmm. next time that Richie Martin has a dominant season will be the first time. The first time, yeah. No, I mean, he had some right. good capes. He had some good capes. 
But that's about it. I mean, like he. So I, I, I think there's. So I'm, I'm curious. Did that come up at all, Vince? In the, because I mean, it's not only just that they moved Yaro Munoz to Double A, but he had a foot injury in spring training. That, that really struck me as odd. An odd handling of this player who, um, you know, they, they've, they've liked for a long time. I've talked to club officials about him before and. They've always seemed yeah. to like Yaro Munoz, and uh, you know. Then he went out. The, you know, they even sent him to the fall league this year. Well, ultimately, uh, you know, they, they put him almost exclusively at third base there. I mean, I know that doesn't necessarily mean he's a third baseman going forward. It certainly looks like he's not a shortstop for them going forward. And it, it's a waste of his. Right. I understand Matt Chapman may stand in the way of him doing it, but it is a waste of his right. arm yeah. to put him in second. Yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, I, I can't figure out how they. <laughs> I, I can't figure out the way they've used Yaro Munoz. It sounds like you. You don't quite know that one either, and I don't even know if they know it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult to figure that out because I mean, you would think a punitive action would be needed at some point if you're saying, you know, look, we we're, we're frustrated with the development of this player, and and yet, as you said, they didn't follow through on that kind of plan. So I, yeah, it's it's a difficult one to figure out because I was surprised how negative, not negative, but I guess how, yeah, maybe negative is right. How negative they were about his. Um, his stubbornness or how, how negative they were about his overall attitude, you yeah. know, and, uh, yeah, but, but yet the tools are there. And so they, it's hard for them to, um, you know, be completely down on, on him as a player. They, they've got a lot of sorting out to do. I mean, we saw this, mm-hmm. we saw this with their double a club last year. I mean, where it was, they moved a lot of guys around because they have a lot of guys who you don't know where the best fit for them is long-term. And so, right. Matt Chapman played shortstop and third base. You know, Yairo mm-hmm. Munoz played second base, shortstop, third base. Franklin Barreto, shortstop, second base. You know, Chap Hinder at a level above, shortstop, second base. Uh, you know, even and Ryan right. Healy, they Ryan moved from Healy, first back to third. third. First and third. Right. They got a lot of guys who, yep. uh, if you're looking on the positive, Matt. they have versatility. If you're looking on the negative, mm-hmm. besides Matt Chapman, who Matt Chapman – if you put Matt Chapman at third base, you are getting a well above average defender. Yeah, a guy with, could be a seven defender at third base in the big leagues. I really think right. he can. With with maybe and who could end up having maybe the best arm, right? In you know infield arm in the in the majors. I really and, hope that he first. I'm I'm just so encouraged for Matt Chapman's sake that we still have those reports. Some guys have great arms and they kind of let it lapse. I mean, if you don't if you don't mm-hmm. use it, you lose it. It sounds like he really maintains his arm care, which is. Uh, fun and, uh, and, and, and yeah. another endearing quality about him. I do love that a lot of the comps for him are like, yeah, he's like Matt Dominguez, but a better version of him. It's like, man, that's, I don't want to start <laughs> with that. <laughs> but you, I've, I've right. heard that comparison for him for a couple of years. I guess the thing is, Vince, no one really is convinced or convicted um, that Matt Chapman's ever going to be a really high average hitter, right? It's really it's power right. over hit, right? Oh, no, yeah, I, he's definitely power over hit. I mean, I think Greg Nettles is, is a decent comp to him, like in terms of a guy who will hit 240 or 230, but will still impact the ball enough to, you know, make it worthwhile. Um, Love the old Yankee dated reference. Yeah, another another dated reference. But a guy who was, you know, a really good fielder, uh, he's got a better on than Nettles ever did. Nettles always used to loop the ball over to first, but 
But um, but that's the kind of guy I see him as, like a classic, you know, in, when I was growing up, a classic third base type was a guy who was a power over hit defender. So. I thought you were going to drop a, a, a Ken Boyer reference on us there for a second, or Clint Boyer <laughs> growing up, when you're talking about growing up. Sorry, old guy jump yeah. number two of the day. So. Right. <laughs> you're, Give you the are, fans what they want. You are a good sport about uh, my old guy jokes, says the guy who just turned 45. Um, uh, we're talking to Oakland A's prospect with Vince Lara. And, uh, you know, the other position player in there, uh, Vince, other kind of up-the-middle guys were Richie you know, Richie Martin, like we talked about. And then those those second basemen, um, you know, we, we're not even getting to Yerdel Vargas, but those second basemen we mentioned, Wendell and Schrock, it does seem right. like, um, you know, Wendell has a shot to really be uh, I guess he's going to compete for that big league second base job. And, I mean, honestly, Jed, Jed Lowry is so old that I was the college baseball beat writer here when Jed Lowry was in college. So, <laughs> you know, he's getting long in, the, long in said tooth. Um, I mean, I, I guess Joe Wendell's really got a shot that big league second base job. And, and, and what's your kind of – he and Richie Martin, they're, they're polar opposites. Richie Martin is an athlete, yeah. uh, good defender – um, you know, it's the, the bat needs some time, and yet they again they pushed him very quickly last year. Whereas Wendell seems like he needs to be in the big leagues already, but uh, they've kind of taken their time with him. Um, what, what's your kind of gut feel on ETAs for those two guys, especially Martin? Uh, what's what's their plan for yeah. Richie Martin in 2017? Yeah, I think I think they'll they'll you know pump the brakes a little with Richie and try to get him to where he's comfortable. And and you know, I mean, they're they're still confident that the bat will come around because of the bat speed and because of his actions at bat. Um, and I think, um, you know, I, I, I think he'll probably uh, probably begin the year at, at double A uh, again after um, a nice little stint there, you know, last year. Uh, I think Joey, Joey Wendell has a real shot of um, getting the starting job because I think they were really impressed with how he, improved defensively his hands are pretty good he turned the double play okay uh bob melvin already loves him loves his you know great makeup kid uh and he can really hit um and those are you know the guys that the that the a's really like are guys that can move around a little bit who are who are bat first guys mostly um and who are you know solid makeup guys and i think that um for that reason he'll get a shot to sort of be that bridge i think because I think ultimately you're right. Barreto probably is a second baseman, and so he'll probably end up there. But but Wendell for let's say Wendell's a second baseman for 2017, and then you know Barreto comes in in 2018 and takes that job, and then they can still move Wendell around. Um, you know, there's always there's always the rush to to have like Ben Zobris 2.0, and the A's have a bunch of guys who can who can fit that mold. Um, it looks like I'm making my prediction and. Uh... I'm thinking that Max Schrock, who admittedly has faces questions about how well he can play second, but I think Max mm-hmm. Schrock ends up being the second baseman of the A's. I think that he's a better hitter than either of those I other two guys, it. and mm-hmm. he'll, as you said, it's an offensive position. Barreto may be the 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 obstacle for him in the long term, you know, but Barreto or mm-hmm. Schrock, but I kind of feel like, and maybe this is unfair, but I. I I just don't know if Joey Wendell, like, okay, I, I feel like he's the kind of guy, and I think the BA grade that he'll have in the in the handbook reflects this. He's the kind of guy who, if he's your second baseman, you're you're okay, but you're looking to replace him, and that's kind of what yeah. I'm interested to see is is that can Joey Wendell be more than that? Can he be more than the guy where you go, 
yeah, we're okay, but we're looking to move, you know, looking to improve. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be the role he carries, the yoke he carries in 2017 is, yeah, he's going to be the, the second baseman for now, you know, until the next wave, you know, comes through. Um, and that would likely be Franklin Barreto um, at, at second base. See, I, I think it's going to be, I think the interim guy's going to be Chad Pinder. And that's the thing, is I think Pinder's the oh, interim guy, totally. not, and not, uh-huh. Wendell's. I think I, I'm not as high on Wendell as Bob Melvin is. Apparently, I just don't. I don't. I don't buy a guy who's supposed to be a hit tool. It's supposed to be his best tool, and he wa- strikes out 100 more times than he walks and doesn't hit for power. I mean, I just don't see yeah. it. So, just for me personally, nothing personal. I ranked Joey Wendell long ago in the Coastal Plain League, along with Joe Scalfani. <laughs> they were two peas in a pod for me. In that league, and I thought they were both like good AAA guys who might get a little big league time. Yeah. And that was true for Sclafani. I don't even know if he's in baseball yep. anymore. I saw him in AAA with the Astros a couple of years ago. But for me, Joe Wendell is a 4A joker, whereas Max Schrock led the minor leagues in hits this year. He had some mm-hmm. uh, he had some injury issues at South Carolina. Ultimately, I don't know why South Carolina's the Grayson Grinders and the Joey Pancakes and the Tanner Englishes and the Max Schrocks of the world didn't work out and didn't hit at South Carolina the way they we thought they would. I think part of it mm-hmm. was all of college baseball had a lot of guys in that time span who grew up using uh, Beezer bats and got BB cores in their hands and had gotten in some bad habits. I think a lot of college yeah. baseball coaches had gotten in some bad habits when it came to coaching hitting. And, you know, Max Schrock has – it's a small, short sample, but one full season of the minor leagues, more hits than anybody else. I'm, I'm going to buy in on that guy. So for me, uh, that's I prefer him to in a, in a significant way to Wendell. I think Wendell is just a guy everybody's got. But you know, Schrock finished up in Double A. Yeah, I think Schrock, you know, Schrock finished up in Double A in his first full season, playing with that uh, you know, Texas League champion Midland Rockhounds team, playing second base mm-hmm. next to Richie Martin. Um, both guys played three years in the SEC, both in their first full year in pro ball. Martin hit a little better in the in the. Uh, you know, hit a little bit better in the Texas League playoffs, but overall, I think Max Rock yeah, sure did. You know, hit circles around him. So, personal mm-hmm. that board, I'm putting who's more likely to be a big league regular for me. It's Max Rock. So, I, and that's I, and it's not yeah. even. Uh, I just think it's crazy that the A's in the year of the SEC shortstop wound up with the two guys I would least like out of the <laughs> SEC shortstop, which were Richie Martin and then uh, Mikey White, who really had a very ordinary Mikey White. Full, first full well, season. Right. And that leads to the next question to me is, is, okay, we're talking about the 2017 A's. You look at this division, when we have the Rangers and Astros who basically, last couple of years, they've been fighting it out. You have the Angels mm-hmm. who, until the day that Mike Trout's contract is up or Mike Trout is traded, are, in it, are, are going for it every year because you can't waste Mike Trout. You have the right. Mariners who have made, last I checked, I believe the number was 4,722 moves this year in the offseason, which clearly all of them are aimed at, hey, we're contending as well. Mm -hmm. Where does that, we've got a 69-win A's team, and it's really hard to say what the A's have done that says, okay, this team's going to be significantly better in 2017 than they were in 16. Is this team... Really, in a true rebuild, or are they more in a an attempt to kind of restock while attempting to contend? Where do you think they are? I think it's a it's a transition. We'll put it that way. I think um, 
So I noticed the Yankees have, have avoided using the word rebuild. They've, they've used transition, and I think that's kind of where the A's are too. I think um, they they're transitioning into the next phase, which is okay. Matt Chapman gets here, and, and Matt Olson gets here, and Franklin Barreto gets here, and then we've got all these young arms that we really like. But you know, JJ, long term, I the the Astros and Rangers are are, are so solidly placed, and then you got a Mariners team that's going to, I guess. DePoto's going to go for it all the time, and, and and I don't know where that leaves the A's. It leaves them in the second, you know, it leaves them being relegated, if you will, if we were talking soccer. You know, I mean, they, they'd get yeah. knocked down. Um, you know, they they um, they have some interesting players coming along, but unless the pitching is a lot better than we all think it is, and I, I mean, the three of us think it is, um, then I don't see how they – compete unless there's a real, you know, there's a, a real step-up year for one of those guys. I mean, their pitchers are interesting, but there are no, you know, there's no there's no star in there. They're all guys who, who we think could be relievers instead of starters, you know, as, as much as we I, – I, I think I, – I love Frankie, Frankie Montes, what he brings. I get that they want to have him be a starting pitcher, um, but I, I don't know how that's going to go long-term. Pardon okay. me, long term. Uh, that's a you good. Know. That's a good segue into th- this team's pitching kind of prospects because I think if you like the A system, you like it because of their pitching prospects. You know, the big league mm-hmm. rotation, you know, has to me two potential frontline guys in Sonny Gray and Shamanaya. It has right. you know, steady as she goes, best five thousand dollar draft pick of the last ten years, Kendall Graveman. Love Kendall Graveman. Right. Shout out to Victoria Long, his a girlfriend now wife who I sat next to on the way to spring training last year. So that's two years ago, actually. So uh, uh, Kendall was great to me and my son uh, when he was charting one day. So I've been a big Kendall Graveman fan ever since. So uh, and he's really had a nice little career. One of the better careers of any of the mm-hmm. college pitchers drafted in 2013. But the best college pitcher drafted in 2013 has been Sean Manaya. And so I like the start of the A's rotation. The other guys yeah. they have kind of penciled in for 2017 right now are Daniel Mengden, who was, again, uh, part of that, in 2013, he was part of that college national team where so many of those mm-hmm. guys have gone on a big league success, whether it was uh, Carlos Rodon or Trey Turner or Alex Bregman or uh, Kyle Schwarber, or Michael Conforto, yada, 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 a lot of guys. Um, you know, Mengden was in the bullpen for that team. Um, and then, mm-hmm. there's the, then there's the opportunity and there's opportunity for Andrew Triggs, who I think we snuck into the last year's book at the back of the Orioles' top 30, guy who we once ranked in the top 100 college prospects when he was at USC. He's dropped his arm slot since then. He's kind of remade himself. I've always had a soft spot for Andrew Triggs. He's like a really smart, engaged guy who's maximized his ability uh, kind of through his knowledge of pitching. Um, but then it's the prospects to me, Vince. It's, so Jarrell Cotton, Frankie Montes. Um, yep. Those guys uh, have an opportunity to be in the big league rotation in 2017, it feels like. And then there's the top-ranked pitcher in the system, A.J. Puck. I mean, uh, you know, Cotton versus Montes. That's a real – That's a real. you, you kind of tipped your hand there already. You kind of feel like Montes' yeah. place is more in the bullpen. I, I can see Take either them. of these guys, Cotton or Montes, having success, either as starters or relievers. Um, I, I, I kind of always thought that Gerald Cotton was going to be a – a potential stud closer because of the changeup. When we started hearing about how good the changeup was last year, and there see a lot of fastball changeup closers. Uh, What did he do uh, so much better in 20 
16 to allow him to lead the PCL in, in strikeout rate for starters and and kind of position himself as a 2017 rotation uh, option. Yeah, I think that the cutter was the big thing that stepped up for him in 2016. You know, the, obviously the changeup is, is what everyone talks about, but um, it, you know, it's. I think that the main thing for him uh, beyond the cutter is is trusting his stuff a lot too. You know, I think once the the A's realized what they had in him, and uh, and the fact that the the cutter could give a different look. Um, he was able to to really uh, dominate, um, really put it together. You saw in, in his uh, five start audition there at the end, uh, just how tough that uh, changeup is to hit. Um, he's not a big guy, so I, I, I totally get the, um, the the concerns about him being a starting pitcher. Uh, but John, you know better than anybody, and, and JJ, you know as well. Like they'll continue to develop him as a starter as long as as possible until that decision has to be made. You know, um, and and if if it's that if this spring that they decide, okay, maybe Jarrell's better off in the bullpen, then and that's what'll happen. But I think what they saw from him last year makes them really believe. Okay, I think I think this guy can start for us. I mean, cutter change up, fastball guy, um, two seamer, different look with that. Uh, you know, I think I think they they feel like they've got a back end guy in him. I do think that the development of the cutter is important for that too, because mm-hmm. one of my big reasons I've always thought he probably end up in the pen is is he, this is a John like uh, fave for years. Fastball changeup righties is it, something yeah. where right. it's a hard that is a hard profile to be as a starter, but mm-hmm. adding that cutter have you know the improvement of that cutter that that little wrinkle that keeps it yep. from just being. Fastballs and something that looks like a fastball. You, you ideally you'd want that slider, you know, to be a little better to right. be a starter. Yep. But at least that to me that makes it a more plausible. And again, you compare him to a guy like Frankie Montes. With Montes, I mean, it's just I mean, it's it's we have a pretty long track record now that he has that he has struggled to make it through a full season. That makes mm-hmm. it hard to kind of go from that to feel comfortable that this is a guy. Who's going to be able to make thirty plus starts down the road? Yeah, like I mean, we were talking Mariners recently. No doubt, he certainly has the body for it. Right. I mean, he's a big right. guy. And he's got some athleticism. It's not like a definitely. It's not like Jonathan Broxton body. You know? Right. But but right. we were talking Mariners recently. We're doing a Mariners podcast, and we're talking about James Paxton. And at this point with James Paxton, if you get twenty, you, if you wanted Montas to be a starter, and you said if we get twenty starts out of him and he's healthy at the end of the year, we feel like you know we're we're in great shape with it. I can see that as maybe a plausible possibility, but it's really hard to just again. James Paxton the same way. Yeah, you're not you don't pencil in James Paxton start of the year and say we're getting 32 starts this year. Right. You say mm-hmm. you know there's going to be a stint on the DL, maybe two, but we hope that when he's healthy, right. we'll get really good stuff, and then we just know we'll have some backup plans. Yeah, that's why I prefer Cotton to Montes. As uh, I know it's a bold <laughs> move, Cotton, but to me, you know, <laughs> Montes is 24, age 24 season coming up. And he's pitched yep. over 100 innings once. And you just don't fall into 100 innings. I also go to the Matt Eddy theorem here on Frankie Montes of there's a reason why teams keep trading this guy. It's not just mm-hmm. that teams keep trading for him. That is a plus. But he was signed by the Red Sox. Red Sox to White Sox. White Sox right. to Dodgers. Now Dodgers to A's. At some point, Somebody has to really want to hold on to this guy. What's he? What is there about this guy that causes 
three teams to trade him. It's not always, oh, we want something else. And it's like, like that's right. that's one of the reasons why Matt always has a little hesitancy on, on Josh Hader, which I understand. He's been you got to get a 19th round pick, you know, like oh, like Baltimore did. You think they want to like, oh man, what a fine. But maybe they thought, oh, 19th round pick, he's disposable. We'll trade him for Bud Norris. But then Houston had him, and Houston had him good. And then to give him yep. up for Carlos Gomez, you know, that, that makes you. So I understand why Matt's like, hmm. Maybe there's less to the to less to Josh Hader than meets the eye. I, I happen to believe in Josh Hader, but that that's doubt in my head. But with Frankie Montas, it's even one more trade, and he's right hand and he throws the snot out of it. I mean, what are right. we missing? So that's why I'm I, always hesitant to endorse Frankie Montas. Yeah, I think the walk rate I think is concerning. You know, John, I yes. think that um, the the A's are for sure. I mean, you know, they're they're obviously going to tell me and anybody else we like Frankie as a starter because that makes the most sense, right? They they want his value to be as high as it can be. But you know, the, the walk rate is for sure a concern. Um, yeah, three point eight per and, nine and, over and, his, and, he, and he's been a starter. It's not like he's doing that out of the, out of the bullpen. Eighty six of right. his hundred and six outings in the minor as a professional, you know, major and minor leagues have been uh, have been as a starter. So he's usually starting, right. and he's usually not throwing enough strikes. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the he was the, the most effective he was was in the AFL this you know this uh, fall. Um, you know, he was actually piggybacking with Dylan Covey, who got picked by the White Sox in the Rule Five, and he was just throwing the hell out of the ball. You know, just yeah. Just I mean, he he and Covey um, uh, combined for that no hitter along with Drew Steckenrider mm-hmm. of the Marlins. Right. So, um, yeah. I mean, anybody who saw that outing, who saw those outings, said, "Yeah, this guy's a reliever." You know. And and even um, and that's the thing. And even there, even though he had a 0.50 ERA, 0.53 ERA in the fall league, he still walked eight yeah. in 17 innings. That's just right. Not not good enough. And struck out only, and yeah. struck out only nine, I believe, if the stats are right. So yeah, so he was. So there's maybe there's a lack of deception there. Maybe there's you know whatever it is, very straight fastball. But um, yeah, he's interesting. I think he's going to be a bullpen guy ultimately. But uh, you know how teams teams will always tell you. Um, we're going to start them until, right. you know, until it manifests itself, and we have to make that change. So, so then the, the other starting pitchers who have this kind of upside are, again, A.J. Puck. We, we, could, mm-hmm. we, we, could, we can lump in their 2016 draft guys in a, in a minute, but uh, the holdovers, yeah, well, not holdovers, Grant Holmes is new to the organization. That's a guy that I was very high on coming out of the draft. He has not had the pro career I kind of hoped that he would have. And then Daniel Gossett. Who kind of went the other direction this year in a good direction? Finished up yeah. in AAA, really had a a dynamite year, um, and then you know they have some kind yep. of older holdovers. Uh, uh, Raul Alcantara, uh, Dylan Overton, owner of the worst big league debut of all time. Ooh. Heath Fillmeyer, yeah. who had a nice year uh, for them this year, kind yep. of took a big step forward. Out of those other starting pitchers, um, Vince uh, and some of them uh, acquired um, in trades, uh, other non. 2016 draft guys kind of who's your who's your gut feel guys who are the guys that you kind of like and who are the guys who you think like who you ranked with maybe less is there one guy you really liked better than the way you ranked him is there a guy that you liked less than you ranked him you know if you understand that yeah question. i think right i think um i, I liked phil meyer higher uh, better than i ranked him just because of how positive all the feedback was on Heath phil meyer I, I went in with a complete blank slate on him and i just was impressed with how people kept bringing him up to me, you know, like, Hey, there's a guy you forget, or, you know, this is a guy I want to make sure to mention. Um, 
you know, and, and it's a guy who, because he has such a fresh arm, as it seems like to say, as a, as you know, as a, as a position player for most of his career, I think that the, there's, it'll be interesting to see what, what he is this year, you know, and whether he stays as a starting pitcher. I think they like his clean delivery. So that, that means they see starter possibility with him. Uh, athletic guy, obviously, as a former position player. So I, I really like uh, Phil Meyer. You know, Gossett is a guy who, uh, is talking about the other direction and guys I rank high who I'm just unsure about, I know how good he was this year. But, uh, man, that came out of nowhere. I mean, uh, I, I, don't, I think even the A's had to be stunned by how much better he was this year. And the, one of the things that they brought up to me was, man, check that guy's soft contact rate. Like, he just killed like, – nobody was hitting the ball off of him at all. And um, how much better, you know, the cutter was. You know, they, they had worked with him. One of the things Gil Patterson tries to work with on guys is, like, you know, if, if the slider doesn't work, well, maybe we need a cutter or, or a curveball. Let's go with a different – Breaking pitch. Yeah, no, that, that, that is became, that is Bill. Yeah, that is Gil Patterson's. Like that's what he's most known for, isn't it? I mean, like, absolutely. That's his number one. I mean, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's it. I, I was about to confuse him with Fritz Patterson, so he doesn't want to be confused yeah. with Fritz Patterson to make another old Yankee joke. But um, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, that Fritz, is what he is most yep. known for for sure. Absolutely. So yeah, so I think the cutter is always what put Gossett over the over the hump, and uh, uh, but you know, I I don't know what to expect. He was so good last year, and again, that was sort of out of nowhere. I mean, you know, looking at how much his walk rate improved, his strikeout rate was was in line, and but who knows? I mean, I don't know what they have there. Uh, I mean, he's a second round pick. He's not a nobody. He's not a sleeper by any means. But um, be interesting to see uh, what Daniel will be this year and and how he fares. Yeah, I mean, he was a you know he was a dude at Clemson for sure. Absolutely, and, and yeah. just uh, and a second round pick, like you said. So it's not like he, but he he made such significant improvement in his uh, strike throwing ability because uh, he didn't. And he Absolutely. walked a, he walked a decent amount in college. He just didn't give up a lot of hits in college. Uh, this year it was kind of everything. He didn't give up a lot of hits. He didn't give up a lot of home runs. He didn't give up a lot of walks. Uh, he he really had a right. really nice year all the way around and finished up in Triple A and uh, throwing well in the playoffs <laughs> there as well. Um, right. last but not least, I guess this year's draft class, um, you know, we, we probably, I mean, I, I we didn't even talk about catchers. I mean, we ranked Bruce Maxwell in their top 10. We almost ranked Sean Murphy in their top 10. We kind of were all over the place, yes. but this, this year's draft yep. class, uh, obviously it's Sean Murphy, the catcher at a right state. And then these three high caliber college pitchers they drafted in Logan Shore, Dalton Jeffries and AJ Puck. Uh, what was your mm-hmm. sense uh, of how those guys debuted? What did, the, what did those guys show after they signed, or did they really get to show too much? Because all those guys really pitched a lot uh, in their junior seasons, or as much as they could, health uh, uh, considering their health and Dalton Jeffries. Yeah, I think with with Puck, I was surprised at how how um, uh, not down, but I guess how uh, they viewed Puck's slider. I mean what I consistently heard was it wasn't what we, we thought it would be. You know, this, it lacked bite. Uh, the rep uh, far outseated, uh, far exceeded what we saw. Um, you know, and, and the concerns about what A.J. Puck is, if he's a starter going forward. Um, uh, I was really surprised, uh, especially when you, when you look at his stats. I mean, he, he did strike out 11 per nine. I mean, he didn't, he didn't give up any home runs. You know, it's a, it's a brief, it's a small sample size as, as always, but um, yeah, I think uh, I was surprised to hear what they thought uh, that his slider really lacked what they had expected. 
So they weren't too, um, they weren't too enthused by his debut. I mean, I'll tell you what they, they gave they made it easy they for him because JJ, how often does the top college pitcher in the draft debut in the New York Penn League? I mean, that's yeah, that's that's like well, where you'd think they could, but usually the no, top college guy moves a lot quicker. No, I, debut there is one thing to me. That's to me not that unusual. But stay there for thirty. Well, right, like I mean, like Chris again. That's the thing mm-hmm. that's a little unusual is is the Chris Bryant and all like even position player wise. There's often this like, hey, you're gonna start. Sometimes it's you're gonna start the GCL, the AZL. Hey, what's this? I think Chris Bryant's first day in the AZL was either AZL, the New York, or the uh, Northwest League was over five, five strikeouts, three errors. I mean, it was mm, right it along. Was, it was exactly yeah. It was like right. good, good thing he wasn't Shaq Thompson. Good good thing nobody <laughs> tweeted incessantly about that. But ten starts, and again, obviously on very short, we're, you know, innings limits, you know, but ten starts yeah. in the New York Penn League. Now that is a little unusual. Here's but, a, here's a comp. Chris Sale, he's a big, tall, completely no, like, but he no. fits into one of AJ Puck's pant legs. And, and it's but the they're both tall left handers. Yeah, and it's the White Sox who basically like they they, they debut their uh, their eighteen year olds in you know in the Sally League, but you know. But I mean the dude, the dude, that guy went straight to the Carolina League for four innings, then to the AAA for six, and then twenty three in the big leagues. I mean, Chris Sale was not more polished, I don't believe, than AJ Puck. I just don't believe. I mean, I know it's different organizations. I don't believe he was more polished no, than A.J. Puck. But again, to me, He wasn't though, even the top pitcher drafted that year. He turned out to be, but it was like a 17th To me, though, it would be where does Puck start next year? Yeah, like, that's a big question. Because, again, if he starts next year in high A, that, to me, the fact that he made 10 starts, they were keeping him on a very tight innings limit. He wasn't getting that much work anyway. If you send him to high A to start the year and he's in double A by midseason, that's very much a normal top college pitcher progression. Again, because the yeah. White Sox... Carson Fulmer, they also did, but the White Sox was like, okay, Car- Carlos Rodon. They, the White Sox drafted a college pitcher. That right. guy's getting, you know, again, I'm still blown away that Birdie didn't make it to the majors this I'm year. Stunned. I lost a bet about that. Mm-hmm. I'm very stunned. But with Puck, if Puck now turns around and goes to the Midwest League to start the season, then I'm like, oh, man, this is a really slow path. But, I mean, the thing is, like, Beloit and Vermont and Stockton. All three of those were bad teams. They were all 20 games under 500 yeah. or worse. 20, 20, and 21 I'm just looking at right now. I, I did not know that off the top of my head. I'm, not, I'm no Will Kimmy. Um, but, but, I am, I'm, but I'm stunned. I'm just stunned they left him there. That's the thing. So they yeah. must really not have been impressed with his debut. And they, let's be honest with it. They really were not. They, 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 you know, I think the stunning thing beyond – I'm sorry to interrupt, Tom, but the, no, stunning, okay. thing that, to, the, the stunning thing to note beyond, like, the slider – which you know you could you could attribute to fatigue was that they he was they were shocked how unathletic he was. Um, well, that's no shock. Which is a, that is who he is, right? Which is no exactly. Which I was going to say, if you saw him pitch, you knew that. I mean, you knew like uh, it just he looked out of sync a lot, and he had back issues. Which would I mean again, if you were scouting this guy, you know these things already coming in. But I, I think they were really surprised. Like wow, he didn't move well off the mound, and and. He's got this head whack that really helps, you know, that doesn't help him keep everything in line. And so, you know, there might be a little, there might be a little breakdown and rebuild thing uh, coming out of spring training for him. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little extended spring to full season club in there someplace. Wow. That would honestly blow me away if they did that. If they think he's that broken de- delivery-wise. Maybe. I just cannot. That would just be that because really, look at. I mean, I'm just looking up top left-handers 
And it depends on the organization. Again, Carlos Rodon, different because it's the White Sox again. But Brian Mattis, David Price, Andrew Miller, these are all guys in the last decade with the top left-handers out of a draft. College lefties. And they had lefties. Not like the 25th pick is the first lefty off the board. And and all these guys went straight to high A. Which makes sense. He he pitched in the SEC for, for three years. High A is not should not be a step up significantly in competition. And this guy went to USA team, Team USA. And this guy was a guy out of high school. He was top seventy five yep, or eighty on our top hundred on the top on the BA five hundred out of high school. Eighty five. Eighty five is where he was. Um, so I have yep. it in front of me, so it's not like I have he, that pulled that from my. Memory. He only threw seventy four <laughs> innings this year, so it's not like his arm had been overused. That's one of the great things about right. the the University of Florida. Is it's a guarantee that you won't get overused if you go there. Kevin O'Sullivan has plenty of pitchers, and he uses them all. So it's a it is that that's kind of where I wanted to go. But I didn't know it was a, I didn't know it was honestly that negative. But my sense was they were not impressed by what they got in AJ Puck. Yeah, and it would not shock I mean, for- me if Dalton Jeffries on my personal board of here's who mm-hmm. I like coming into the year. Dalton Jeffries was. Darn near number one on the college right-handers list. I love right. Dalton Jeffries. And the crazy thing is he's a fastball changeup righty. But by the way. But it's a seven changeup. <laughs> and speak, he's an athlete. But when you speak of where they guys go, guy. Dalton yeah. Jeffries was in the AZL. Now, admittedly, he was on a very short. But that's know. the problem. For him is he got banged up. So I understand why he fell yeah. where he fell and why they handled him the way they handled him. Because he is a small fry. Mm-hmm. And that's a, right. unfortunately, his track record of durability is minus. But, it's a minus track record. But again, I want to... Right. Again, I don't want to make too much of Puck being the New York Penn because also Logan Shore, who, if A.J. Puck is yeah. far too advanced for the New York Penn League, Logan Shore is so far more advanced than that. Like, there's right. concerns you can have with Logan Shore, but pitching yeah. in the same rotation and being more of the guy right. at Florida than yeah. Puck yeah. ever was. It's 30 more innings than his college roommate. The, the reality of it is is that Logan Shore, if you just sent Logan Shore to high A last year to, to end the season, it would been like, yeah, this is okay. Com- right. this even, is for inning, even for an inning or two, and that's the thing, like like the Cardinals, this is, not a, or, this is an organization with a pretty good track record for developing pitchers. And the Cardinals mm-hmm. took Dakota Hudson, and they sent him. They he finished the year in the Double A Texas League bullpen. Like, hey, that's not yeah. your long term role. But we want you to get a little taste of this. And again, if you're looking for a winning team for Oakland, you had to go to Double A because they're high A, low A, short season team, bad. So I'm I'm a little bit mm-hmm. I'm just a little surprised at how they handled all three of these guys because I like all three of these guys. And uh, if right. Dal- if Dalton Jeffries had been a little healthier but here's the bad trend on Dal- Dalton Jeffries innings pitched freshman 91 and a third innings pitched sophomore 80 innings pitched junior 50 not a good trend right not a, not yep. I, so I love Dalton Jeffries I'm, I'm all about him where they got him great value so I kind of like their yep. draft I like the first four college guys they took um mm-hmm. but all those guys and you know and uh, even uh Sean Murphy has had a little uh, just consistent health issues with uh, MRSA on in, in the summer. But you really like Sean yeah. Murphy. It sounds like they really like Sean Murphy. Oh, man, they, they were over the moon about Sean Murphy. And, and I think, like, first iteration, as you mentioned, we had him in the top ten. So, uh, you know, one one guy said, you know, put a 90 on his arm and was talking about, you know, young pudge in, in terms of arm strength. Which is just crazy. Um, I'm sorry. That's just crazy. It's yeah, crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm sorry. You know how that's crazy. Things. 
I, d- I don't know how you know it is. Things go. That's the thing. I, I well, do, but I don't. That yeah. is yeah. crazy. I've seen the guy throw. The ball does not come out like that. So I don't know what the hell what's going on there. I really, I don't. That <laughs> quote in your notes exasperates me to no end because it's like, first of all, why are we making a comp to a guy who doesn't play anymore? Has this guy ever seen Yadi Molina with his one seven second base? Right, I mean, right, right. Second of all, Sean Murphy, I've seen it. I watched it. It's a good arm. It's not even the best one that came out this year, JJ. That was Jake Rogers. It just was. We asked a lot of guys about it. So that's an exasperating I, I think, quote. Exasperating. Yeah, I think hy- hyperbole is, is sometimes possible during these calls. You know, like you, you talk to a guy who's like really crazy high about a guy and that, and that happens. Not um, like that. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That is really, that's like, that's comping a guy to a Hall of Famer. I don't get that. Right. I don't get that. Uh, that, does, that does the player a disservice. So the, the the person who made that comparison should know that. It's, I don't get that. I, I rarely get the comps anymore. Like, oh, man, that's Maddox-esque. That doesn't happen. Right. The one time I got that, okay. I, that, the, that I actually ran with it, guess what? It actually was true. It was about Buster Posey. Just like Greg Maddox is going to be in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. You know, so. Right. Throwing that gauntlet. Although, that... At the time, the he was staying as a pitcher, yes. yes. <laughs> and he's not going to be a Hall of Fame pitcher. Correct. But he had the little, anyway. But yes, but they love Sean Murphy. I think they love, I think John Bench came up as well in that, oh. in that conversation. So just <laughs> if you wanted to feel more at, at, ill at ease about that, uh, but I didn't mention Johnny Bench in there because that's just, to me, that would have been crazy. That that's crazy. I hey I, I will argue but, that I will argue and you can say what you want about performance Hamilton Grugs and I'm not trying to take this down a tangent, but if you lined up Pudge Rodriguez's career and Johnny Bench's, I don't know I'm taking Johnny Bench. I, I think that that's a good discussion. Yeah. And longevity and consistency but... of production I would say goes to Pudge. Yeah, there's a reason for that. <laughs> there's a reason for that. <laughs> there may be. <laughs> peak, but peak the peak isn't too the, close. Johnny Bench peak is I'll give you that a lot better. But ridiculous. But yeah, while well, we have gone for over it's, 50 minutes. It's like the Twins podcast. So I, was, I was feeling it on both John was fired up. He's, he's been out of the office and he's fired up. Well, the last question, Vince, who's the Roy White in this organization? Because we've mentioned all, we've touched all your 70s faves. Who's the, who's the, yep. uh, the A's Roy White or do they not have one? Jacob Brugman, I'll say, just because <laughs> I, 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 I want to mention Jacob Brugman. <laughs> and because I love the Roy White stuff. Um, yeah, you know, a guy who, uh, who another guy who the A's people were, were sure to, to mention to me and make sure to, to, to get him in here. Fundamental guy who they really love. Um, uh, ceiling is probably uh, not very high, but, uh, but they're all about Jacob Brugman. So he's not Roy White, but we did mention Roy White. So we hit all your touchstones, yes. which I appreciate it. So. Correct. All right. Well, good stuff there. Good stuff, Vincent. It is uh, interesting for us of JJ, but I'm, I just think they have so many guys who could go one way or the other. They really, they don't have a lot of yep. sure things, and just I'm, I think it's telling that they really didn't like AJ Puck. It's like the guy who everybody liked last summer, and everyone's like, "You want him? No, nah, I don't want him. You take him? No, nah, you take him." But the thing about it is, yeah. is that, and I always go back to this. There is a to me one of the things that does jump out with that is, is we always see, and sometimes it's useful and sometimes it's not. But we always see one of the fascinating things is, is when you get guys go from the amateur side to the pro side. And <laughs> essentially what happens is there's some overlap, but you get a whole different group of guys yep. who are putting eyes on them. It just sounds like, honestly, it sounds like when you were getting early reports on Mark Appel. Those Marcos, exactly I, I, that's like exactly what it's like. Where yeah. it's like, 
the pro guys saw him this and they're like, and they were, it was, it was, it was like, that's one, one, yeah. that's not one, one. Yeah. And they were, they were adamant about it. And that was like within the first 20 innings that he'd thrown as a pro. It was early. It was And early. again, but A.J. Puck was, now it was not a great, we've had back-to-back drafts where it's not like you have, you, when you were rolling out through these, the Carlos Rodons, the David Prices and all that, A.J. Puck, I mean, we, we should make it clear, this was one where he was at the top of boards as far as college pitchers in this class. But there was much as it was when we had the, you know, not that long ago with the Dylan Tate, Carson Fulmer year, where it's like, let's make something clear. This is not... It was not the 2017 Cowboys draft class, which is why you're going to hear this draft get talked about. This upcoming draft get talked about as a really good draft because the college pitching offers a cornucopia of delights. Again, you you go back to it. The reality of it is is that A.J. Puck was considered probably the best college arm in this class in many ways. And at the same time... He was not just not the guy at Florida. He wasn't the second option. And you could argue he wasn't the third option. And everyone Mm -hmm. understood that. And that's like, I mean, the the, the best way to put it is is that... He won two games. I know wins are wins. But he was on a really good college baseball team that went to Omaha. And he couldn't pitch five innings enough times to get more than two wins. But, but 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 not only that... But when you got when they got to Omaha, he wasn't the guy they wanted on the mound. Yeah, he threw one pitch, donked the guy in the head, and they took him out. That's but, it. That was the extent of his. Again, when you talk about Logan Shore, Logan Shore was the guy they wanted on the mound. Alex Fado, they who will be the in the 2017 draft, they wanted on the mound. It was a pretty iffy college pitcher year all the way around, and uh, so 2017 uh, we definitely hope is better than 2016 was, and. Uh, I think Oakland A's fans hope that 2017 is better than 2016 was, but I'm not sure it's going to be. So thanks, Vince. Uh, Good stuff from you. Appreciate that. And appreciate you, JJ Cooper. And we'll just take it out. So uh, we'll be back next week with more podcasts, maybe even a weekend Astros podcast, you're saying, JJ? If we can find someone to talk to JJ, then we'll do that. The JJ monologue. JJ on the Astros. Hey, on, on, on Twitter... Someone suggested that, you know, hey, JJ, you should just do a 24-hour Braves one. You know, it's that deep. You know, it's like, just do it like a telephone. And, you know, like, we actually, they suggested rotating hosts, and Teddy pointed out, no, JJ's do do the whole thing. And I'm like, yeah, I probably would. I think that probably could happen. So um, until then, for JJ Cooper and Vince Lara, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you in the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.